This is Pucks and Seven with Ryan Payton and Victoria Matiash. It started with 16. No, hold on. Started with 32. Then it went down to 16 for the postseason round one. Went down to eight, and now we're into the final four. No, it's not NCAA basketball, not March Madness, but it's kind of like May Madness in a way. Two teams from the East, two teams in the West. We'll figure out the Stanley Cup final at some point in the next couple weeks. Welcome to Pucks and Seven, Stanley Cup Playoff Edition. Ryan Payne, Victoria Matiash. Follow us on Twitter at Ryan and Payton at Victoria Matiash. Uh, Vic does great, fantastic, superb, outstanding. Oh, you want me to keep going? It. Oh, I'm just going. I can keep going the keep whole time. Keep the pod. superlatives coming. <laughs> Who doesn't want to hear that they're fantastic? Right. Come on. Uh, Major News Talk t- uh, channel in Toronto and uh, also does uh, ESPN.com. Been there a long time. Fantasy side of things, hockey side of things. I do work for Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio. Channel 91 and uh, the Seattle Kraken covering them for the hockey writers. We'll get to the Kraken in a second. In fact, just literally a second. Next segment, we'll talk Toronto. Look at the East, Florida, Carolina. Look at the schedule. Have an update with the Ottawa Senators. But Vic, they're down to four. And the final game of round two uh, came and went last night. They are. And I'm. people are saying now that oh, it's not the sexiest matchups we're looking at in the West and the East. And you know what? I disagree. And we're going to get into individually why I disagree. I'm really super pumped to, to watch the Dallas Stars play the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars, of course, getting there with what I thought was a fairly entertaining game over the it Seattle was. Kraken. It was. It can be games. Hockey games. Hey, kids. Hockey games can be low scoring and still entertaining. And I was absolutely <laughs> riveted by that. I yeah. watched the two, the first two periods and I listened to the third on the radio. Again, I like doing that at times. They could just get a different view, so to speak. Kind of. And um, you're digesting it a little bit differently. And I thought I was riveted the entire time and you didn't know quite what was going to happen. It was, uh, again, low scoring, a battle of two very good goaltenders in Ottinger versus Philip Grubauer. Grubauer yeah. was outstanding. He was amazing. The fact, the, yeah, the fact that it ended two to one, a huge credit given him. Anyway, Karen. that could have been that could have been a six one hockey game, Ryan. Easy. 100%. Easy. He was excellente and i know there was a couple of crossbars involved and a couple of posts involved that's all part of the game that's fine but i do believe that dallas dominated more well i don't believe they did they dominated more than the kraken they were probably the worthy winners to come out at the end of it i do feel a little sorry for jamie alexiak for the giveaway to rupe hints because he played he played for the uh... stars twice <laughs> yeah he had two stints with that team yeah. and so just to get burned now listen you you just gave the puck away that was a bit of a bouncing puck right okay the, the, there was the, a lot going on yeah okay okay there was a All lot right. going on but to yeah. give it doesn't matter he's still going to beat himself up i right. would right he gave away the puck in his own zone to the guy who has a very good shot at winning the con smite if dallas yeah. continues to travel on so it's not embarrassing at all but it just kind of it it's it sucks a little bit, especially for Jamie Alexiak. But then again, and then Bjorkstrand making it interesting with whatever, 27 seconds left. I can't yep. even remember, but it was okay. definitely in the dying moments and you still don't know what's going to happen. So I thought it was a very entertaining hockey game. As I mentioned, I think Dallas was the worthy winner of this one. Pete DeBoer's seven game. He's seven and nothing now in game sevens. And I think that is a streak to yeah. be admired. It is a remarkable stat. It is a remarkable, impressive stat because that tells you so much. I remember listening to the broadcast last night and in part what they were saying, I think toward the third when it was kind of looking like Dallas was up to nothing and looking like they were going to go away with it. And then 
Um, Bjork Sorin scored, make it two to one. A bit of pressure late, but it was it was just they just ran out of time. But I remember the broadcasters were very specific in saying that. Pete DeBoer has just a calming, calming way about him. And they were referencing Max Domi and the relationship that he has had with Pete DeBoer the last few months since he's come over in that trade. And that, that's fantastic. 7-0 in game seven. Okay, so here you go. Do you want John Cooper? Maybe, but I'd like Pete DeBoer behind the bench if I'm going to game seven at some point in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You mentioned that giveaway. Uh, of all the guides to give it to, hints, an absolutely phenomenal postseason. That shot was incredible. Grubauer was amazing. To your point, it could have been 6-1 easy. Um, I've been sitting on this for a few hours, and i got to get it out before I forget it. The turning point, uh, the puck going down to Seattle zone, uh, no icing than Wyatt Johnston, who is, who is a phenomenal rookie. He picks that puck up. He scores. I didn't think he had any chance of doing it. But that shot, that shot was more precise than Wyatt Earp. On a, very nice. Okay. Very nice. So that's what you were sitting on. I <laughs> that's was what I was sitting that. on. Yeah. Wider. Very, very nice. Off yeah. his backhand too. Yes. Like just this beauty little backhand, short side. So simple. Court. Oh, yeah. so simple. I no, could, you he, can give me the opportunity. He, to he do made that. it look simple. Oh my goodness. You can give me 50 <laughs> chances at that. Maybe I get one with, yeah. you know, given all the time in the world. And uh, they've got a winner there because he's a, he's a young kid. I think he's yeah. 20 only 20. still. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be on a cheap contract for a couple of years yet, which is also a win for the stars. And that was a, there was a beauty way. And I think an appropriate way for them to end the game. Uh, the numbers of Jake Ottinger are amazing, like Hints and Pete DeBoer. He's 5-0 and following a loss in the playoffs. Uh, he went 17-1-3 during the regular season after a loss. Let's not forget he was pulled in Game 6, right? The guy was pulled in Game 6. They made it quite clear in the broadcast last night. So now you have all the confidence in the world. But not only that, you're thinking about past the Western Final against Vegas. And here's Jake Ottinger saying that he's pretty confident getting into this Final Four and going all the way. When you ask me if, if we think you can win it, I feel like not every year you can honestly say yes. And I think, you know, this year I feel like we can win it and we have everything. And, you know, when we play the way that we want to play and, and we do the little things right, I think we can beat anyone. And having that belief is, is pretty cool. And, and I think everyone in the locker room thinks that. And that's that's a unique thing. Not every team can say that every year. And, um, you know, I feel like we're, we're going to be great for a long time. But you never know. You know how many opportunities you're going to get like this. I mean, guys have played 15 years in the league, been great players, and never, you know, even made it to the conference finals. What do you think? <laughs> Your hands up. Yes, Victoria. <laughs> so, um, says all the right words, but is Jake Ottinger 24 going on 58 years old? That is the most calm, relaxed, yeah. careful, even a little cynical. This yeah. guy should be hooting and hollering. He just basically dragged his team into the Western Conference Final. Not single-handedly. It was very much a group effort, but he played a big part in that. And he has every right to at least smile a little bit, but he's sitting there like the stoic goaltender that he is, all of 24 years young, and just like, oh, you know what, kids? You know, we got Gotta, we still have an uphill battle and this is what the game of hockey is like and I'm you know but it's just the tone the lack of enthusiasm and listen this is not a criticism that's his personality I think it takes that personality to be an effective goaltender it does. it's just it's just funny to listen to afterwards you know if you just know what were we like when we were 24 we'd be parading down the street oh, waving yeah. our shirts in the air and chugging <laughs> brews like it would be completely and he's sitting there just very soundly and very logically outlining the situation and very eloquently as well so it just it's, made me laugh it's the maturity factor right yep. it's the maturity factor and goalies I think have to grow up a lot faster when you get deeper into the 
postseason at a younger age than obviously forwards and defensemen. So good on Dallas. Um, so what about Seattle now? Uh, an absolutely amazing turnaround season in year two. Nobody expected them to improve upon the amount of wins they had last year. Dave Haxtell did a great job. The coaching staff did a great job. Everybody scored but Ryan Donato. You and I talked about this. He, come on. And you know what? It's the first name. If it was Ted, it's fine, but it's my right. name too. <laughs> so it really ticks me off even more. He's the only one. Only, the only regular skater. Played more than a handful of games. But that is what they did, Vic. They made it so important to them to play as a team. And you know what's incredible about it? Is that through 82 games, a lot of the NHL couldn't keep up with that. They, they, they didn't know how to play them. In round one, same thing. They took Dallas to seven with the same style of play. A lot to be proud of. Absolutely. And I don't think, I mean, but you're not going to expect moving. Okay. Let's move forward. Congratulations, Kraken. You did a, you did a bang up job. Nobody expected from you. I certainly didn't. And I know a lot no. of other pundits didn't as well. I mean, outstanding accomplishment. Hold your heads up high. Absolutely. Now looking forward, celebrate yep. it for two minutes, looking forward. They need to tweak this team. This is not a reliable goaltending tandem that you can count on down the stretch. You just can't. Grubauer and Martin Jones gave up way too many goals and relied on the cooperative scoring, especially five on five out front of them to win hockey games. Right. And you're not, you can't count on Jared McCann scoring 40 goals again next year. You just can't. But on the positive side, Matty Veneers, no longer a rookie. Now he's got a year under his belt. Now mm -hmm. you're going to get Shane Wright. I'm guessing they're going to bring Shane Wright up. I can't imagine. I mean, he could play Why in the I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. But this is your your top overall draft pick, not number one, but your top overall draft pick. Now you got a bang bang center structure there. You improve your goaltending a little bit, maybe bring in a couple other players in free agency or via trade, whatever you need to do in the summertime, and you build from there. Because this is, as we said, Ryan, over and over, this is a very well coached team. They've yep. all bought into the system, but they still need to be a little bit better. I think we recognize that. A couple things with them is that they were behind a lot in the series. They were down four nothing in game four before they scored. They were down two nothing in game five. And that grew to three, nothing in the set games, two and seven. They allowed the first two. They lost each of those four games. So you look back on it, you can't change it now. But when you play from behind, it's a lot tougher than when you play with the lead. Actually, you don't tell that to some teams because <laughs> some teams have a lot of trouble playing with the lead, right? Than they do without it. You mentioned what they do going forward. The Martin Jones thing, to your point about that, that goaltending situation, Chris Dreger as well. He's there too. Uh, he's right. been injured, right? <laughs> so forgot he has, about that. Yeah, he of is course. he is one year left on the contract, but Martin Jones more than likely is gone. He signed the one year deal at two. So he's he's gone. Uh you have Grubauer, he's inked through 26-27 at 5.9. On the back end, you have three RFAs, one UFA on the top. You've got two UFAs and and uh one two RFAs as well. So a lot of guys could come back. Same kind of thing, but I'm with you. Tweaks need to be made. Hundred percent. But they have a lot to look forward to. So let's see what they do over the summertime, what Ron Francis has up his sleeves. We'll get to Dallas and Vegas, the Western Conference Final, in a second. First off, last time we did this, Edmonton and Vegas was still going on. So in that second round, Vegas moved on. They took out the Edmonton Oilers. At the end of it, they were the better team. They were the stronger team. And the team, again, cannot just simply rely on two players like Edmonton did. Secondary scoring was an issue for Edmonton. Goaltending was a major issue for Edmonton. Vegas looked very, very good, and they looked very strong. I don't want to hammer this home too hard, 
but I said it and it's on record ahead of that game. I really do believe starting Stuart Skinner in that game was a mistake. And this isn't hindsight is 2020 because it is, we can now look at it and we can say it was probably not the best decision. And you know what? We could say that because he lost and he played poorly. Right. Played poorly. And and you and I disagreed when we talked about when Skinner was pulled and Campbell was brought in the the game before you and I both said, you said to me, who would you start? I kept going with Skinner. You Mm -hmm. kept going with Campbell. I did because the, even though the previous game, when he was, put in there he only stopped a handful it didn't matter but before then he stopped nine shots and he was given the opportunity to play more than a period and so you're just to me you're going to go with the goaltender that hasn't allowed the goals even if it's in the last couple of days and then he came into this game and he didn't allow any either so I think I I do think that the coaching staff on large, because I don't think this is a head coaching decision done independently or made independently. I think they're going to look back and they're probably going to regret that. And this is not to say that Stuart Skinner is not an excellent goaltender, that he has an extremely bright future. I've been incredibly impressed with his performance this year, his first Mm -hmm. real year in the NHL. So, but I think that was the only error. Other than that, I think it's as simple as just what, how you mentioned and you summed it up to start Vegas was the better team. They were better defensively. They were better on offense in that game. Leon Dreisaitl was absolutely horrible by Dreisaitl standards Mm -hmm. in that game. He was a minus four and he will be the first to admit this. This is a very downcast guy being knocked out of the playoffs. Um, Yeah, it it hurts. Um, I don't know. It's tough tough to find words right now. Um, Obviously, you know when you start a season, you're you're in it to to win it, and and we're at that stage. And if you if you don't complete that, then um, it just feels like a, a yeah a, f- a failure or, or a wasted year almost. So um, yeah, it hurts. Whenever I hear something like that, two things come to mind. Number one, especially with him, number one is that Leon is one of the best players in the game today. I think he's the second best. I think Edmonton has have the two best players in the NHL at this moment in time uh, for him to come out and, and, and how that hurt him and how he took that so painfully, I'm going to say it broke my heart, but you know, I mean, it, it feels you up. It was heartbreaking. And the second thing is that's the type of question everybody asks right after. It's too bad that you have to answer that because you want to digest a bit, right? I know it's part of the business. Totally get it. But at the end of the day, he did everything he could. McDavid did as much as he could, but yeah, that hearing, Hearing that from a grown man who is one of the best players in the game, that really hit home. First of all, I agree with you. Number one and two in the league right now. I'll give Matthew Kachuk the third spot in that conversation. But number one and two, I agree with you 100%. His maturity and the way that he has rallied his team and the way he's seriously addressed questions and concerns about his team. He's one of the most mature. First of all, he's smart as heck he's also one of the most mature players in the game and for him to come out and his voice is choked i just want to give the guy a hug i'm sure he doesn't want one from me but that's what i want to do and in addition to that to take ownership of how how poorly he did play he wasn't his best self in that game and to actually admit that in the raw moment like you mentioned there's a lot of things for the oilers to look forward to now I think as during our recording of this podcast, they are now having the exit interviews the exit or interviews, the yeah. post-exit interview pressers. Yeah. So we are going to hear from the manage- management. We're going to hear from the coaching staff. We're going to hear from the players. And we'll follow that up. Our next podcast, we'll look at what specifically they said. But they have a very bright future. They've got, we always talk about the Toronto Core 4. They have the Core 5. They have the five players up front 
who are getting everything done, who are all on board for next season, if yep. not beyond. So they're looking forward to Zach Hyman, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's coming off a career year in my mind. They've got a healthy yep. Evander Kane. And of course, the aforementioned two best players in the world in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. So they have that core five and they do. They really, Ryan, Ryan, they need to bolster around them. They have to. Yep. This Klim Costin stuff, and nothing against these these supporting castmates. You can have some of them, but you mm-hmm. need a little bit extra up front, and they also need to bolster their D. What do you think? I agree with that. Darnell Nurse, he's signed for a long time. Ekholm, uh, great trade. He's going to be there uh, through 25-26. Evan Bouchard, RFA, I mean, he was just absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, you have to do it. I want to go back to what you were saying, though, about Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner. Jack Campbell, this is tough. He signed that big deal, right, at 5 mil. So if you go into next season not thinking that he's your number one goaltender, Skinner's contract goes up to 2.6 starting next season through 25-26. So he signed for three years. But how how can you justify, if Campbell's not your number one, how can you justify sitting him on the bench at 5 million bucks? Easily. Easily. Okay, so, so you don't think then to entertain an idea of maybe dangling him to another team? Because thought, to me, because okay. to me, they're go, to me they're going with Stuart Skinner. They will go with him next year, and they will live and die with Stuart Skinner. I'm happy okay. to argue with you on that. I don't think they necessarily will. I think they're going to take a tandem approach right out the gates. Okay. Listen, Jack Campbell had a bad season. It was bad. When he was given opportunities, he didn't rise to the occasion. But he has been a good goaltender in the past. Whereas we just got to know Stuart Skinner. The fact that I'm always tempted to call him Jeff Skinner right off the hop <laughs> just indicates and illustrates yep. how unfamiliar we all still are with him. So we don't yep. really know what he's going to be. Is this another Jordan Bennington who's just going to, you know, fall into decline season after season after season after season? And now the Blues are kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. I would, this is my. This looks like a great tandem team. And for $7.5 million, you have a tandem team going forward that could be quite good. That could be quite good. If Jack Campbell refines himself, and he's looked okay recently, I know very small sample sizes, but still he has. If he can rediscover his confidence, I think that's the biggest part of it. If he can rediscover his confidence and Stuart Skinner is the same guy that we saw this season, the the Oilers have no goaltending woes at all and for $7.5 million a year. That's not a bad price. One of the issues, too, during that series, they could not score even strength. Vegas outscored them 18-9. to Basically, Edmonton, when they were on the power play, they'd score. Secondary scoring, not too good either. The bottom two lines, uh, Fogel had two goals, Bukestad one, everybody else nothing. Ugh. Also, too, you mentioned Dreisaitl and McDavid. Outside of that, Nugent Hopkins and Hyman, they scored one. Yamamoto, Kane, they had no goals as well. So the whole point about that is, I'm with you, they're fine, and the goaltending, okay, uh, Woodcroft probably should not have gone with Skinner, but as you said, you can't change that now. You can't look back at it. So, Ed, okay, l- let me ask you this before we quickly uh, move to Dallas, Vegas, and have a look at that Western final. The window with Edmonton, do you think it shut a little bit, or do you think it's still kind of it, it's still open at the same point? Because a lot of people are saying this was a great opportunity for Edmonton. I think they're going to be better next year. Okay. Because first of all, that trade for Matthias Ekholm, I have been crowing about that since it happened. I think it's yeah, no, awesome. Yeah, it's I one too. of my favorite trades before yeah. the trade deadline, and yeah. they have him for two more seasons. This is not a rental. He is part of the seat uh, of the team, if not three. You might you have to look at that for me. I don't have it in front of me, but at least two. They have him for at least two more seasons beyond. Yeah, this he's one. through. He's through twenty five, twenty six. So he's through brilliant. More. Three more. 
So, and and Evan Bouchard is coming to an, into his own. Yep. Darnell Nurse is hitting his prime. He still yep. makes a couple mistakes here and there, but he's getting better and better all the time in terms of that. You bring in another defender, you hope the goaltending works out, and you bolster your bottom six. This is, These are minor moves, Ryan. Like, this is not, you're not moving heaven and earth to bring these players in. This no. is minor stuff, either through free agent signings or through some minor trades. And this team is going to be even better. And we both thought this team had a decent shot, shot of winning the cup this year. Yep. So a little bit better. And that comb's still there. Love that guy. A little bit better. I think they'll have another another legitimate <laughs> chance uh, next year. So no, the window's not closing. They've got two more for sure. The window's yep. wide open for two more. Okay, Dallas, Vegas. We'll get to the schedule in just a little bit. Early thoughts going into this. Both teams playing very well going through the first two rounds. I think it could go long. I hope it does because the quality of hockey that both teams can play and that they've shown us in the first two rounds, it's pretty impressive. This is going to be a physical series. I really think this is going to be... They're going to be... I'm not even just talking about pure body checks that you can see and, and label from afar. I just think there's going to be a lot of physical play in this series. And to me, whoever's going to win this, because Dallas left scoring off the rush, Vegas has pretty much owned the neutral zone, not owned it, but they've been very good at, and they've been better than their opponents yep. consistently. This is going to be won or lost in the neutral zone because we know both defenses can play well in front of their goal, their goaltenders. We know that we've just watched it. And we've watched it essentially all season, but especially in the postseason. And the way they clog up right in front. I mean, you're going to get your little, your ugly rebounds and all that. But that's pretty much, it, this, again, I think this is going to be determined in the neutral zone. And I think it's going to be very exciting to watch. Jake Ottinger, Aiden Hill, because Brossois, certainly he's not going to be playing uh, anytime soon from what we gather. Uh, Jack Eichel needs to continue to do what he's doing. It's so fun to watch him play. There's Mark Stone on the back end, Petrangelo. Then you've got, you know, I was watching a lot of Ryan Suter last night. And I'll be fully honest with you, a part of me forgot that he was even still in the NHL. And it's what's incredible. He plays like half an hour a night. <laughs> like, how can you how can you miss the guy? But it's I know, true. It's right? true. Yeah. I, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. And but I just I'm like, oh yeah, right. That massive, oh my gosh, you're still playing. And so too is Zach Parisi, right? Remember those two contracts? Right. And all that type of thing. Um, I just want to say this. So Dallas beat Vegas last time they met, conference finals. Uh, they beat them four to one. And that was last time they met. So they are gonna play each other second time in three years. Vegas has been unbelievable. Uh, year one, they lost in the final. Year two, they were out in the first round. Then they lost in the conference finals, Dallas. They lost to Montreal in the semifinals when right. the NHL decided to change due to COVID. Uh, then they didn't make it. They didn't make it in the post. Remember that? Remember? Oh, yeah. V- Vegas was not in the <laughs> yes, playoffs last year. <laughs> there was much discussion about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be great. It really is. So, uh, okay, quick pick. What do you think? Vegas, Dallas, how many games? To, they will be published on ESPN.com tomorrow, so I had to register to them today. I'm yep. uh, Vegas in seven. I have Vegas in seven as well. We're going to head east. After this, we'll talk Toronto, look at Florida and Carolina. We'll talk about the schedule too, let you know who's going to be, well, we know who's playing, but when they're playing. And we'll update on the Ottawa Senators. Pucks in seven, stretch it out, Vic. Ryan Payne, Victoria, Maddie, <laughs> we'll be back. Welcome back to Pucks and Seven with Ryan Payton and Victoria Madiash. This is Pucks and Seven Playoff Edition. That is Ryan Payton, and I am, in fact, Victoria Madiash. I am. Okay, sorry, true. did you change in the, the last? Rumors, the rumors <laughs> oh, are true. The I've heard some true. of these things. <laughs> Stop. 
outfit. Anyway, no. <laughs> we uh, we just had a, a look at what was going on in the Western Conference, all the moving and shaking in terms of both of the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars moving on to the Western Conference final. We're looking forward to that. Also, what we thought about what Seattle might do in the offseason, what the Oilers might look at in the offseason. So now let's shift over to the Eastern Conference final. We're going to touch on the Leafs again because it's important and also very interesting, even yeah. though that they were knocked out last Friday, which is a few days ago now. But on Monday, everybody came out to chat. And this is one of the more interesting, I thought it was one of the more interesting individual pressers or summer, summary of individual pressers to wrap up this particular season. Mm -hmm. All the stars came out to chat, but we mm -hmm. also then had a gap in the afternoon and then we waited and then both Sheldon Keefe spoke and Kyle Dubas spoke. We didn't, we haven't heard from Shanahan yet. It doesn't matter. I think we know everything we need to know right this minute. And of all the chats, the general manager who has an expiring contract, he needs to be renewed. Everybody's like, oh, they're going to fire. Are they going to fire? They're not going to fire anybody. His contract no. is ending. It's whether he renews with the Toronto Maple Leafs or not. And Kyle Dubas, still the current GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, gave us some real raw emotional insight into where his head was at. My family is a, a hugely important part of what I do. So for me to commit to anything without, you know, having a fuller uh, understanding of what this year took on them uh, is probably unfair for me to answer where I'm at. I wish I could give you more, but we haven't been able to have those full discussions yet, but it was a very hard year on them. And uh, thus, it's tough for me to, what I would say is that I'm, I'm not going to, I definitely don't have it in me to go anywhere else. So it'll either be here or it'll be taking time to recalibrate, reflect on the seasons here. But you won't see me next week pop up elsewhere. I don't, I can't put them through that after this year. You and I and fans have heard GMs at the end of a season talk and uh, deconstruct, decompress about the season that was and all that type of stuff. Uh, Toronto's a different market. When I watched that, and he addressed it right off the top before he took questions, he said, I want to get this off my chest right away. When he said family, but when he said to me, when I, not to me, when he said, I just found out in the last couple of days how taxing this has been on my family. That just really hit home to me. So he had no idea. And I believe him. He had no complete idea as to how stressed the family was. And look, he also went on to say, and went, went, went on to say um, about his behavior, right? There was a couple, a lot of moments he was, he was caught on camera. And he said, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I shouldn't have used the language, all that type of stuff. But he, to me, Vic, he is not coming back. And from what I did hear that they were in some discussion at some point recently with maybe looking at an extension, that's great. But he seems like somebody who needs to get away from Toronto, step away from that position and focus in on his family because there's a lot going on there. And he was it was really telling what he said. It was very emotional. Very I emotional. don't ever remember a presser with the general manager, players and coaches maybe, but a general manager, it was very revealing. It was very raw. For me, it was very unexpected. 
And I really appreciated the honesty, the raw honesty. He's been here for five years, Ryan. Yeah. In that time, he has grown a family with his spouse. I think he's married back in 2014. But it's a young family. He has a yep. young daughter. He has a young son. I can't even imagine serving as a GM in a market like Toronto, a hockey market like Toronto. And for five full years, I can't imagine the hours that he puts in i can't imagine the stress that he has to deal with he can't he can't walk into a coffee shop in toronto and buy a coffee i'm sure i'm guessing but i feel quite confident about saying this without people coming up and offering their opinion sure. negative positive way to go kyle way to go for signing ryan o'reilly because this is just the city that we live in sure and for to hear from his spouse that's i'm um, generally you know we're reading between the lines here last mm -hmm. couple of days or last couple of weeks whatever the time period was but very recently his spouse went up to him and said i don't know if i want to do this anymore this is my guess and i don't think i wouldn't want this is i'm on pure honesty, I don't want to be married to the general manager yeah. of the Toronto Maple Leafs. No. I wouldn't mind being the Toronto, the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I wouldn't want to have to deal with my spouse coming home every day, probably at 11 o'clock at night, midnight, and just stressed because of all the pressure, yeah. because of all the attention. I think it would be very difficult to deal with. And then you're tossing in, you're raising two young kids. Yeah. No Thank you. So I get where he's coming from. I do too. I get where he's coming from. So my guess is, is that he will not be coming back. And he also said too, in that press conference, he said, this is the only place that I will be. If that does happen, he said, quash all the rumors. I'm going somewhere else because that's just not happening. Um, I feel for him. I do. I feel for the family. And I know that people may have made too much of him being emotional on camera and all that stuff. Doesn't but that's bother me at all. It doesn't bother me, but that's really telling about the amount of pressure that that guy was on and, and under. And that guy has been under um, just raw emotion and does not care who sees it. He threw a water bottle. He didn't drive his car into a building. No, no, no. Let's no, have it, a little perspective. That's here. true. That's true. And, right? then he, and then he takes on uh, fans in Tampa and the language that was picked up. He even said, he said, yeah, you know, that probably should not have been something that I should have done. I would be doing I know you night. would. I'm just saying. And you know what? I think it's fine. I think it's fine. But I'm just saying that yeah. you could really tell the extra sense of, wow, this is really getting to me. And he's defending the team that he loves. I don't blame him whatsoever, Vic, for the lack of or for the failure of the Maple Leafs on the ice. Because no. I don't blame him whatsoever. He did everything he possibly could, especially, and I'll say this, in his last year as GM to give them the best team possible. It's up to the guys on the ice and the coach behind the bench. I think you and I are in agreement, and we can talk about this now if we want to do a little bit more about, about Toronto. Uh, I think they need a new set of eyes and ears behind the bench. I do think Sheldon Keith will be gone. I thought it was telling Brendan Shanahan, even though some people didn't make anything of this, that he wasn't up there with Dubas, but maybe he knew, okay, Dubas needs to do this himself kind of thing. I think Shanahan may also be a bit of an issue. I really do. I think he has holds so much power with MLSC, and there's so much involved in that. I don't know. I just think there's a lot of ex internal things that we don't know about. I'm with you about Sheldon Keefe. I think Sheldon Keefe is a very good coach, and I think he's yes. going to enjoy success somewhere else. I just don't think they're listening to him anymore. And when we have a discussion about, you know, Paul Maurice outcoached Sheldon Keefe in the round with Florida, then I don't understand how you could see any other solution than to right. make a change with the coach who was 
outcoached by, on paper, a lesser team. Kyle Dubas put together, he constructed, with the help of others, constructed a hockey team that was built to win the Stanley Cup. There weren't too many weaknesses, especially after the moves that he made at the trade deadline. This was a team that could have, and honestly, could have, if Sergei Bobrovsky, and I know everybody's so tired of the narrative, oh, they got out goalie, the goalie, they ran into a hot goalie, they ran into a hot goalie. Just because you're tired of that narrative doesn't mean it isn't true. Right. Carey Price. They did. Junis Corpusalo. Yep. Uh, Vasilevsky last year, even though Tampa yep. Bay just had a lot of other things going on as well. But Brovsky this year, like just because you're bored of it, doesn't mean it's not still real. Relevant. So yeah. of course. Anyway, I think uh, I'm not saying goodbye to Kyle Dubas as quickly as you are. Mm-hmm. I do think sometimes a couple of weeks sitting by a pool, having calmer discussions, sometimes you can get a little bit more perspective. It sounds like the Leafs do want to re-sign him. So, uh, maybe just you know the family hunkers down they talk they figure out do they want to give this another one two three years I don't think it's going to go beyond that so I'm not saying goodbye to him quite yet I think Toronto wants him to stick around smart young innovative general managers don't grow on trees I no. don't want them to turn to the old guard I don't want to see Lamorello type or Jim Rutherford no. type back here no no uh, just the recycled old school thinking I just I like the fresher younger perspective that he's brought to Toronto so we'll see Let's just say, Sheldon Keith, there's a change made there. Now, what do you do with the top four, Ryan? Um, well, you do something with the attitude of Austin Matthews. That's what you do. And I'm going to compare it to what Leon Dreisaitl said after the last game that we heard already in this podcast when he basically said, I have to be better. Did anybody of the four say anything about that whatsoever when they came out and talked to the media in Toronto? No, they didn't. At the end of each game, if you have to be better, if you're one of those stars, then you just come out and say, yeah, you know what? We stunk. We're not getting it done. We have to be better. To me, and I've said this for a long time, changed a bit yesterday because he did say that, yeah, I am looking at extending here because this is where I want to be. I've always thought that he's going to go and take the take the UFA market and, and, and take the free agent route. Anyway, Matthews, I just think he I just think he needs to have something changed up top to get his heart and mind in the game a bit more. Mitch Marner, you do nothing with him. You have to keep him regardless. Uh, John Tavares, the contract, that's a hampering contract. It really is. Not that you and I wouldn't sign it. Owners give it to you, whatever. I wouldn't do anything with William Nylander. And the reason is because he had a great season. Yeah, he struggled in the postseason. So too did everybody else. But I thought he played better than most of the top four. And he's only got one year left at 6.9. So for, for a bar- he's, he's a bargain when it comes to that. I don't think you break too much of the four. If you can trade Tavares with all due respect, I think you try to look at that. But it's not happening. I'll work backwards from there. Nylander, who are you trading Nylander for that you're going to get back as who's right. as good as Nylander? Yeah. And you know, this collection of three okay players aren't going to help the Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup. You, you, this doesn't. This is not a quantity versus quality situation. And again, for the price tag, no way. And Nylander was the one who said, I love it here, and I yep. believed it. Yep. I believed him when he said it. Yeah, me too. Moving backwards, too. John Tavares is not going anywhere. Contract aside, he's got the no-move clause. He lives down the street from me in a very different house from mine. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his family established here, his uh, extended family, his parents, his aunts, his uncles. His, yeah. I know it's not going The Tavares's are all over the yeah. place here. I know. He is established. He is not going anywhere. I'm hoping that maybe something was bothering him a little bit in the postseason, and then we'll see a slightly quicker, stronger John Tavares next postseason once that rolls around. I think he was 
hampered by something. Mm -hmm. I don't hope that he was hurt. I hope he was hurt so then he won't be hurt next year. Moving forward, Mitch Marner is a magical player. He's a selkie candidate. He's one of the best players in the league. Who are you replacing him with? Again, what are you trading? Trade Mitch Marner. For who? Who are you getting back for Mitch Marner, who's a magician on the ice? Now to your point, Austin Matthews. All right. I will say this. Everybody's like, oh, he says he wants to stay here. What is he going to say? What is that? I hate it here. In the, like to wrap up the season, yeah. like, can you help me pack my bags? Please trade me before my next my next season here. I need to get out. Of course, he's not going to say that. What I did like, and what was a little bit telling, which was very different from what we saw with Winnipeg's exit interviews post pressers, mm-hmm. he was wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs ball cap. He was wearing a Toronto Maple Leaf sweatshirt. I don't know if Tazami's telling him to do this or not, but he was. Whereas when you were watching Blake Wheeler or Pierre-Luc Dubois or any of the members of the Winnipeg Jets, they had their own personal stuff on. They had no Jets So you think you think that that is something? You think that that's telling? I might be digging a little bit, but I think it's more telling. If he had come out with like a, a golf course ball cap and like a beer t-shirt, I would feel differently about it. But the fact that he still... What it's those actions speaks louder than words, and to me, the way he yep. dressed spoke volumes to me. So, even if his tone, his Austin Matthews tone, he never gets super excited about things. So, I will say this never mind what he said yesterday to us, never mind what he says in the next couple of weeks. He's got to sit down with the general manager if it's still Kyle Dubas or if it's Shanahan because there's we need an interim person before mm-hmm. the draft and all that. They need to have a quiet conversation that none of us know about when you know, emotions cool, not tomorrow, next couple of weeks, next two, three weeks. Do you want to be here? Do you want to be part of this? And And now we'll look at it. If not, tell me the truth. And we'll look into making a Matthew Kachuk-like deal and moving you somewhere else with somebody comparable and then everybody will be happy. And that is key. Matthews holds right now what Toronto is going to do in this offseason. So I'm totally with you because he's able to sign an extension up to a certain point. If that does not happen to me, the writing is on the wall. Even after what he said was, yeah, I kind of want to stay. I want to be extended. Totally agree with you. I'd ship him out. I would. Uh, I just think he's a hell, hell of a talent. Absolutely. There's no denying that. Just not the heart of an absolute star in the National Hockey League. You will not him, hear him see say anything that Leon Dreisaitl did after all Leon Dreisaitl did with McDavid was pretty much help carry Edmonton through two rounds. You won't see that. And you don't see Leon not scoring in the second round. You don't see him not scoring the first. We've seen this with Austin Matthews. I just anyway. don't know who you get for him. That's all. I know, I know, I just don't I know. know who you get for him. So. Well, you, tra- you trade up at the draft for Bedard. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in. Next pod. Okay, so Panthers move on. They beat Toronto. Carolina moves on. And they're on to the uh, uh, Eastern Conference Final. They beat the Devils. Early thoughts on this one. The Panthers riding this wave of incredible emotion and this underdog mentality kind of thing in Carolina. They looked really good in that second round. And they've looked pretty good in the first two rounds. I've had a couple more days to think about it. Because I know we addressed this over the weekend when it was all still very fresh. But I thought about it more. I'm wondering now how the Panthers are going to fare against one of the best defensive cores. I said this at the time, but yes, I'm, I'm more concerned yeah, yeah. now, even now, than I was then. Yeah. I was just thinking more and more. I watched a little bit more, some a few more highlights of how Carolina won some of those games and what they did in their own end. And I'm wondering how effective the Florida forecheck is going to be. I think it's going to be a little bit different. I still think, the, I think both of these teams are going to forecheck the heck out of each other. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be very much that style. I'm not saying it's going to be dump and chase the entire time, but there's going to be a lot 
of that style of play. I think it's also going to be very fun. I think this is also going to be a very physical series. And I wonder if Bobrovsky continues to stay hot, it's a coin toss. If he crumbles at all, yeah. Yeah. then I think Carolina might run away with it, unfortunately. I agree. Um, Freddie Anderson, too, on the other side, started the last six games 5-0, and so he's playing well. And Brendan Moore can go back. You know, I mean, that's what Maurice and Brendan Moore have. They have an option. Hey, Sergey, not too good. Alex Lyon, come on in. We know what you can do. Ranta, Anderson, that type of thing. I'm with you with the defensive side of things with Carolina. Five on five. They had a ton of shot attempts in the last round. They were very, very good. They've allowed the least amount of shots over the course of the postseason already. It's going to be a much different look for these Florida Panthers. So um, it's going to be intriguing. Uh, speaking of that, um, Teravainen, there's an update on, yep. on him. Uh, expected to return, which is great news. He's been out since the 20th of April. Well, before that, he had surgery on April 20th. And it's a busted wrist. So it's one of those things. Yeah. It's not ligamenty. No, now, listen, head. Dr. Maddie Ash is not weighing in here because <laughs> she has no idea what she's talking about. But my understanding of this basic medical stuff, like a clean break that gets fixed, that heals, there's no repercussions or no serious yeah. repercussions. It's not the same thing as if you su suffer like a head injury or something, some ligament damage or something's going on with a disc in your back. This is one of those not cut and dry things, but he says he feels good and he's ready to go and I believe him. I do too. He's going to be a nice addition. And the Matty Ash, what? The Matty Ash Medical? Dr. Matty Ash. I heard your practice is pretty good. <laughs> okay. Schedule. So this is great, right? We're down to four teams, two series. We'll have one game a night starting on Thursday, game one, Carolina, Florida, then Friday, game one, Vegas and Dallas. And the times are pretty decent, especially for you. <laughs> well, I love it because across the board, and I know we came down pretty hard on the NHL yeah. for the 10 p.m. start on the Sunday between the Oilers. Listen, I get it. There are contracts, there are television contracts that have to be honored. There are television agreements that have to be honored. There's no wiggle room there. I understand that. But I can also be annoyed. Both things can be true, right? Like yes. I can be annoyed at the reality and still understand that's the reality. Well, we don't have to deal with that this round. It looks like every game is at eight o'clock with the exception of one night for one Friday night game is eight 30. That's a Dallas Vegas one. And then we've got a beauty matinee next Sunday at 3 oh, PM where I'm going to be gonna streaming be <laughs> the game on my laptop, on my deck. It's also a long weekend in the country of Canada with probably a pop or two. And I'm really looking forward to that because the weather looks really nice as well. So I'm excited about the 3 p.m. matinee for sure. Note to the NHL, make all games at 3 o'clock <laughs> Eastern, at on least weekends. on the weekends on when weekends. it comes to the postseason. Yes. It. So the longest, the latest that Vegas-Dallas could go if it goes 7 is May 31st. The latest Carolina and Florida will go if it goes 7 is May 30th, if they go 7. And then into June... And then we start to the uh, start to that final. Well, we gave the Vegas Dallas prediction. So, what about Carolina Florida? Who do you have? I changed my games? mind. <laughs> I changed my mind, and you now I have. I you did. can't I, do that. You I changed can't. my mind from from our last pod, and I and I can't don't do look, that. Don't listen to it back when I said this. <laughs> no, I. It, yeah, but yeah, yeah. hurricanes and six. Oh my gosh, I have the hurricanes and six as well, and do I you? didn't change. Yeah, I didn't change. I have the canes and six. I have the okay. canes and six. Anyway. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is not, of course, part of the bid, one of the bids to buy the Senators. Um, four groups have submitted. One of them is as high as $1 billion, according to uh, what people are saying. Uh, Toronto's Steve Ap Apostolopoulos yep. uh, bid on the Washington Commanders. Michael Anlauer, minority owner of the Habs. Jeffrey and Michael Kimmel, I guess, or Kimmel, former Minority owners of the Pens and Nico Sparks, an LA-based producer. I mean, we're all kind of rooting for the Nico Sparks group because it's why Nick is Dogg. that? <laughs> yeah. it's, are we not? 
yeah, I don't even are. know if it makes any sense. I mean, I'm I'm assuming they're also they have other people part of their group as well. It's not yeah. just a couple of guys who are like, we'll do it. And obviously they put together a professional bid like everybody else. But to have a face that we're all familiar with. I mean, people even know who Nico Sparks. It's sort of not really in my realm of interest, but I'm certainly a Snoop Dogg fan. Right. And I think it would be very interesting for marketing and for all other aspects to bring Ottawa Senators, who are a smaller market team by the NHL standards and certainly by professional league standards. Yep. And to have, <clears throat> pardon me, and to have somebody recognizable like that to attend events and showcase the league, the game, the team, I think that would be a lot of fun. And we cannot, Ryan, rule out Deadpool yet. There's still a lot of scuttlebutt that okay. once somebody actually, once a group actually yep. buys the senators and the sale is approved, right. that he might still jump aboard as a minority owner. Yep. Right. And buy into it. I don't understand the workings of this. I'm not a business mind. Not Dr. Matty Ash, not business. I was going to say, <laughs> how many careers do you have? No, oh I'm not. I'm, no, how many careers do I not have? You're That's a woman of many about. talents. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, very few. Very no, few. come on. That's but not when, true. when, when that is said and done, and who knows what group it might be, but there are rumors to uh, to that that Ryan Reynolds is not necessarily out of the game yet. But first, now we have to wait and see. I yeah. don't know what the timeline is on this. I, I don't imagine know either. It's not going to be five minutes. They're obviously no. everybody's going to do their due diligence and comb through all of it. But um, it's going to be that's going to be very fun to find out who actually. And if there's one billion dollar bid and the other three aren't. I don't know. Do you not take the billion dollars, NHL? I would. Right? I would. I so. would. Uh, the deadline, by the way, was yesterday. Yep. It was Monday at uh, 5 Eastern time. So we'll see how that goes. Whoever ends up buying this team, just get a new arena, get it downtown Ottawa, figure that out. Because where it is situated right now, you don't need to get into that. Where it's situated out right now. in Canada? Right. Planes, trains, and automobiles to go to a game? I just said to you, you don't no, think No, thank that. you. No, we're ending on a good You note. opened the door. <laughs> no, yes, get the, that arena downtown, please. <laughs> Come on, Senators, let's go. All right, Western Final begins on Friday. Vegas Dallas Game 1, 8.30, and then Carolina, Florida the night before Thursday, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Final. You have one more thing. I want to. I, I just want to. I want to throw in one caveat. I was very loose with my um, opinions about the Kyle Dubas and his family and all the rest of it. I want to. I want to make it very clear. I know nothing. I have no insight. I was just putting myself into a position of being involved with a family member to deal with such pressure, how I perceive it. Right. So if everybody's like, oh, Kyle, Victoria Matias says that Kyle Dubas is being harassed at coffee shops. That's not what I'm saying. Right. Or that his spouse feels this way about I didn't. Anything. I didn't get that from I, I didn't. I just want to be perfectly clear. Yeah. I know nothing. I am just, I am supposing a lot about what yeah. the situation might. I don't think I'm very far off. But You're again, not. I want I want to be perfectly clear that there's no insight here. This is just pure speculation and opinion on my behalf. Based on what he said and how he said it and the things that came out of his mouth, we can we can speculate on that because that was tough to see. And my spouse day, Larry is not allowed to be the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> Imagine that. I'd love him to be no. the GM. Really? <laughs> I would I like to it. be GM. I don't want to be I married to the GM. Fair enough. Uh, we're out of time. A lot of fun. We'll be back in a little, or probably the end of the week, I think. Maybe after the couple of games, we'll do one on the weekend to look back at game ones of each of the conference finals. You can follow us on Twitter at Ryan and Peyton at Victoria Matiash. Catch us wherever you get your podcasts. Also on the SiriusXM app. I'm Happy Vic. I'm Ryan. Enjoy the early part of the conference finals. This has been Pucks in 7. Available on the SiriusXM app and wherever you get your podcasts.